0: This podcast is a production of Schweitzer, a United Methodist Church, transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ. This morning, we're beginning this uh, journey toward the cross. We're looking at uh, what does it really mean to follow Jesus? What is required of us? What is Jesus asking of us? Have you ever uh, signed up for something, some role or task or responsibility, maybe a team or a band, and you thought, oh my goodness? why did i do this this is a lot harder than it looks ever in, enter into a job or maybe in, enter into a marriage and you think boy if i'd have known then what i know now i might not have done this uh, 40 years ago when i was saying yes to the christian ministry if i knew then <laughs> All that i was going to face and some of the challenges i might not have done it when i was falling in love with susan 30 years ago if i had known all that was required of marriage i got to be careful here (laughs) oh my goodness i i might might not have showed up the altar because uh, whatever is worth doing uh, whatever is great value always cost us something 40 years ago I, I'm really glad I made that decision nearly 30 years ago I'm really glad I married Susan and when the disciples have followed Jesus for three years in the gospel story that we're gonna read what we're gonna find is when Jesus breaks the news to them, what's going to happen to him? They're wondering, oh, I didn't sign up for this. You see, things have been going pretty well. They have had a front row seat for three years. They've seen the teaching and the miracles and, and the healings. It's been somewhat challenging, but very rewarding. And so far, these apprentices of Jesus, I mean, it looks like by all accounts, they've made a really good career move here because he's the Messiah. He's the Son of God, they've discovered. And his kingdom is coming on this earth. And they're jockeying for positions. You know, they're ready to line up and be who's on the right side and the left side. And and then suddenly, Jesus tells them these shocking words about what's going to happen to him. And so we read in the gospel, Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man, referring to Jesus, must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. I said, get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. And so Jesus corrects Peter, and he's saying that these things are going to happen. They must happen. And so the reality of what's going to happen to Jesus sinks in for the first time. Now, the plot thickens as we continue to read the story. He called then the crowd. So this time he's saying this not just to the 12 apostles, but he's saying this to all the crowd, the whole disciples that are gathered around him that day. And he said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life life, will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will find it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words and this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. what what's the response what's the response of people when they realize that what happens to Jesus is going to happen to them That they're gonna have to take up their cross that they're gonna have to give up their life we read in the gospel that the crowd especially in, in John 6 and other places they stopped following him after Jesus started talking about a cross So Jesus' popularity just kind of started going down. And we know that Judas, by golly, he's not going to die on a cross, he's not going to give his life up, and so what does he do? Well, he tries to maneuver around Jesus and goes to the chief priests and the leaders and tries to work out a different outcome. And the rest of them, the eleven apostles, they just kind of resign themselves and say, okay, let's go to Jerusalem and die. die with him (laughs) for in some strange way they realize Jesus is asking them to give up their life too and then if you and I look at this story carefully and we take in the words of Jesus we realize that what happens to Jesus doesn't just happen to the disciples I mean, most of the disciples became martyrs. They gave up their life. They suffered a lot. But what Jesus is saying, guess what? Anyone, whatever happens to Jesus, happens to all who follow him. For Jesus says those words, if anyone, if anyone, that would be all of us, right? If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. I think that includes you brother, sister, I think that involves you. I think that involves everybody. For those who want to save their life is gonna lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will find it. So how does this work? How does this happen? You know Jesus talked about how that a seed falls to the ground and dies and unless that seed dies and is buried in the ground it can't bear fruit. And so he's using it as an image to tell us that unless our life Unless we die to our own selfishness, our own living for ourselves, making life all about us, guess what? Unless that happens, we're not ever going to be fruitful. Whatever we do in life, no matter how successful we are in the way that the world says we're successful, it doesn't matter. It will die with us. But for everyone who follows me, we have to die. We have to die to die and bury that old person for the new person to rise up. Diedrich Bonhoeffer was a a Christian martyr. He died at the hands of the Nazis at the end of World War II. And he wrote this book, The Cost of Discipleship, and his words in that book have been haunting me and wrestling with my spirit for 35 years. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. And so, all of us are called to die if we're really going to follow Jesus. And you might be thinking, I didn't sign up for this. So how does this happen? How does this work in our life? In the rest of uh, my message time that I have, I want to walk through with you uh, something of the process. And we're going to use four... Of the 14 stations of the cross. Now before I talk about the stations of the cross, let me just say that these stations of the cross began to emerge around the 15th century when Christians were making their pilgrimages into Jerusalem. And they would stop off at these called halting stations where they would stop and meditate on the sufferings of Christ. So imagine, you know, five, six hundred years ago, Christ followers coming into Jerusalem making their spiritual pilgrimage would stop off at the Stations of the Cross and meditate on the sufferings of Jesus and what that meant for their life. The Roman Catholic Church and other faith traditions have continued to use that in different forms and ways to say that all of us Christians need to stop off at the cross and meditate and think about how we're living our life. Now, once a month, I go down to uh, Ava. I go down to... uh, the House of Prayer. I guess there's, uh, someone said after the, after the 820 service uh, that, oh, I thought you were going to say that you go down to that naked community. There's that, some kind of naked community down there. I do not go there. I didn't know anything about that. But in Ava, south of Ava, besides this naked community that apparently exists, I'm not advocating for that. I don't even know why I talked about that. But um, <laughs> there is the House of Prayer. <laughs> Very different. And there's also a monastery. And so you've got the Franciscans and you got the Trappists, and they're two miles away from each other, and there's a path in the woods that connects those two places. And I just love to go there once a month. I unplug, and I go down there for my sanity and to keep spiritually focused. I love going out there in the woods just just praying, thoughtful, letting God speak to me. And so the last time I was there, I made the trip from the Franciscans to the Trappists. And when you get to The monastery, there's these 14 stations. There's the the crosses that's erected in the woods. It's just a beautiful, neat area. Uh, You may want to go there sometime, but don't go there in the summer because, oh my goodness, the chiggers will eat you alive. Um, But as you walk the trail, you come to the stations, and as you meditate on the stations, you realize that what happens to Jesus must also happen to me. And the first cross I want to talk about today is judged. Just a single word, Jesus is judged. We know that Jesus was judged, don't we? As you read through the gospel, you understand that he was judged and criticized by his own family. His own brothers thought he was a little bit crazy. Uh, His mother was disillusioned at first about him. His own townspeople, the people that he grew up with, his elders in that town of Nazareth ran him out of town. They judged him as a lunatic for claiming to be the Messiah. He was judged by Pontius Pilate. He was judged by the Jewish Supreme Court, the Sanhedrin. He was condemned as a criminal to die. And the crowd also cried out, crucify him, crucify him. Jesus was judged. So doesn't it stand to reason that if you and I are following Jesus, we're going to be judged by others? We're going to be criticized we're gonna be misunderstood at times, maybe by our family or maybe by our friends. I'm not talking about being obnoxious, I'm not talking about being a bigot, I'm just talking about really living the life for Jesus. Are you willing to be judged and criticized by people that you care about and love at times? Are you willing to be silent when you're judged and not respond in kind, not, not be defensive? And are you sometimes, when God wants you to, to be willing to stand up and to stand out in the midst of the crowd and the culture? Are you willing to be different? You know, in a time when religious freedom is being squelched more and more in this country, are you willing to exercise yours and exercise your faith? Are you willing to take your faith as just a genuine follower of Jesus out of the sanctuary to school and to the business and to the community and the streets and live this life. Are you willing to be judged? That's part of the deal. And the second cross I want us to look at is he carries. It was an awful, awful experience. The cross was only reserved to the most cruel criminals. It was not simply the pain of the crucifixion, it was the public humiliation. He is stripped naked on the cross and before he gets there, he has to carry that cross up to the hill as every common criminal, cruel criminal had to do. And as Jesus carries his cross we're reminded that we have to carry ours. What does it mean for us to carry our cross? You know when Jesus says those words that we read earlier, if anyone's ashamed of me and my myself and this generation what's he getting at well anyone that was associated with someone that was publicly humiliated by carrying his cross and crucified that was a humiliation that many people were not willing to be identified with peter did not want to be identified with jesus and you and i know what it's like to be like peter We, we just sometimes we don't want to be identified with him Not right now. So we have to carry our cross. What does it mean for you to carry your cross? It's different from me, but it has something to do with laying things aside that we might take up what God wants us to take up. It means setting aside my life and all that I want to do for me to think about how I can fulfill God's purposes in my life to help bring God's salvation and message to the world. The Methodists have been praying this prayer since the 1750s. It's called the Wesleyan covenant prayer. We've been asking Schweitzer to keep this prayer close to you throughout this year because it really focuses on this idea that we have something to sacrifice ourselves. We get to carry Jesus' cross. We get to be Doing whatever God wants us to do. It's not about us. It's about what God wants. So I invite you to just simply read, pray this prayer with me, as it focuses, I think, on what it means for us to carry our own cross. Let's, let's pray together. I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Place me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be put to work for you or set aside for you, praised for you or criticized for you. Let me be full, let me be empty. Let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and fully surrender all things to your hope and service. We carry the cross. And then falls, the third cross that we come to is falls. The scripture tells us that Jesus, as he was carrying that cross, fell in tradition uh, in the 14 stations of the cross jesus falls three times as jesus falls he is comforted by women the deep rich compassion of women and he is aided by simon who is just passing by who's compelled to help carry his cross And just as Jesus falls and gets back up and falls and gets back up and falls and gets back up, we fall too. And when we fall under the weight of doing for Jesus what we find hard, the temptation is to stop. The temptation is to walk away. The temptation is to give up. Everyone who follows Jesus knows what it means to fall. Knows what it means to fail. Knows what it means not to be able to do this on our own strength. But when we fall, we can get back up. And we can get back up. And we can get back up and it's not like we do it on our own strength it's not like we pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps it's that God gives us this inner strength that we did not know we had we do it through the power of the Holy Spirit and we do it sometimes because there's the compassion of women or men in our life we do it because sometimes we need a Simon that will come alongside us and help carry that cross because we just can't do it ourselves. And this is hard for us, but we learn to ask for help. It takes more grace to ask for help than to give help. But every one of us sometimes has to simply humble ourselves and stop and ask others to help us carry that cross. The final cross that we're looking at today is the 13th station. It's the cross of descent. Jesus's body is taken down from the cross after he dies. But descent also refers to this understanding that when Jesus died he descended into Hades or to hell, the place of death. And the scripture says and tradition says that Jesus actually went there to proclaim, to teach, to preach, the good news about himself. Jesus descended into hell. It was at this cross that my mind went into my own spirit. And I, and I began to realize that Jesus also descends into our spirit. That Jesus takes us deep inside ourselves and part of dying, part of denying is is being courageous enough to go into the depths of who we are and to face our inner demons, our inner spirits, our attitudes, our pretensions, all the false self, all the things that we kind of manufacture in our life that's not of God. We face that stuff. And with courage, we discover that Jesus is taking us there. The ego will protect this, but we have to put ego aside and go deep in the sides of ourselves that we might die to the old person and be raised again. C.S. Lewis was a Christian apologist of the 20th century. He set out uh, as an agnostic to disprove Christianity. He later became a deist, and then ultimately he became a Christian. And he said that when he was studying Christianity and began to look at himself, this is what he discovered about himself. I found there, I found there what appalled me, a zoo of lust, a bedlam of ambitions, a nursery of fears, and a harem of fondled hatreds. My name is Legion. When we do the spiritual work, my friends, it takes courage. We find things there that we did not know existed, and it can scare us. And yet we know that Jesus is there. And we know that he takes that on himself, and we gladly begin to die to those things that we might live. The sun and the moon comes out of the grave just for him. And the old self emerges, dies, and the new self rises up because of what Christ does for us. And so we die, nevertheless we live, yet it's not us that lives, but it's Christ that lives in us. In the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's through our death we experience resurrection just as Jesus goes to die and is raised again from the dead. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. And we are set free to live this amazing life with God. Friends, what happens to Jesus also happens to us. It must if we are going to be His disciple. And so we look at those words. Jesus is judged, we are judged. Jesus carries His cross, we carry our cross. Jesus falls, we fall. Jesus dies. We die. Jesus descends. We descend. Jesus is raised. We are raised. What happens to Jesus happens to us.